Well, starting a new series today. Last year, last time I was up here, we talked about death. Exciting topic that was. We talked how Abraham wept at the loss of his wife, and we talked about emotions being normal. You know, it's okay to cry, it's okay to weep, and we talked about it, and we shouldn't try to hide those emotions. But we ended those with, with the understanding that we're going we're to turn those feelings of loss into feelings of hope, at least for those who, who are with Jesus. Now, I've done a lot of funerals, and the, the hardest ones to do are the ones where you don't know if the person knows Christ or if you know for certain that the person doesn't know Christ. Those are tough. You want to offer hope to the folks that are there, but you can't give them false hope. I, someone asked me the other day about doing a funeral, and I, and I said, you know, I, I never, if I know the person doesn't know Christ, I never say in this sermon that they're in heaven. I can't, because that gives false hope to the folks that are here. And there's a lot of negative aspects to, to death that we focused on, but I'm going to focus on the other end of that spectrum. We've talked about hell before, but we've never talked about heaven. We never talked about what heaven's like and what we're looking forward to. Um, as we know, a lot of our church family in the past several years have gone on to be with Jesus in heaven. And what better way to encourage us and to give us the feeling of hope that we're supposed to have in times of loss and to focus on heaven, where they are and where we're going to be. First thing we have to understand is heaven's a true place. How many understand it? We all know that, right? Heaven is a physical, true place. It's mentioned over 600 times in the Bible and many more references using other phrases such like, you know, city, on, you know, city uh, social city, all those kind of things. So if God chooses to mention it so many times, it's something that we should take time to know about, to understand. That's what gives us a hope, at least as much as we can study through God's word. There are, the only time we hear about heaven sometimes is funerals. We talk about heaven and where they're at right now. But unfortunately, the person who really needs to hear about heaven isn't there. Or they're already in heaven, they understand it. Heaven not only helps us to prepare for eternity, but it helps us to live better lives now. C.S. Lewis says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. If you know what heaven's like and you know what's there waiting for you, it should make you want to do your best here because the Bible talks about rewards in heaven. How do we, how do we know that? There's rewards in heaven. Um, as most of you know, I had to do a funeral for my wife's aunt a couple of weeks ago. And with any funeral, any death, there's always a will involved. And when you read a will and there's nothing in it that mentions your name and you think it should, how does that make you feel? The Bible talks about rewards in heaven. Now, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about us getting in by the skin of our teeth, right? If, you know, the Bible says the works that we do here, if they're gold, silver, precious stones, we'll get rewarded. If they're wood, hay, and stubble, they'll get burned up. We'll make it in, but there's not going to be anything on the other side, no rewards for us there. And the Bible tells us to work for those rewards, encourages us to do that. 
So we need to search God's word to find out what is true about heaven and what is kind of made up about heaven. There's numerous ideas of what heaven's like. You ask everyone, and they'll give you their idea of heaven. I asked a girl once what she thought hell was like, and she said hell was like doing math problems for eternity. <laughs> While that may be hell on earth, that's not really hell, and a lot of people have misconceptions about heaven. A lot of people think we turn into angels when we get to heaven, that we get wings when we get to heaven. A lot of people think that you know, heaven is just uh, another ethereal thought. A lot of times we see movies that depict heaven. There was a movie out a while ago, it was a remake, it's called Heaven Can Wait. How many remember seeing that movie? It's out a long time ago. And it's, you know, that gives you a sense of heaven. God was sent back to make things right. You know, they made a mistake, he shouldn't have been killed and he went to heaven. So we had to go back and make it right. Well, we know that's not true. Um, a lot of movies, even Christian movies, talk about heaven in a way that, I don't usually pay much attention to those, because a lot of times when you, read, you either watch the movie or read the book, it makes you feel good, but it's not really a biblical example of what heaven is. How many remember seeing the movie Ghost years ago? Oh, everybody loved that movie Ghost, right? Everybody loved the movie. Totally anti-biblical, right? Totally not biblical. So we all have images of heaven we would like it to be, but the Bible talks about what heaven is actually like, not what people have made it out to be. Now, just because we don't know everything there is to know about heaven doesn't mean we can't know something about it because the Bible talks about it. And the first thing we realize is this here, this is not our permanent home, right? How many, Kyle's just buying a house. Congratulations, buddy. It's not your permanent home. You're gonna be there 30, 40, 50 years and then you're gone, right? Those of us, or those of you who own homes, it's not going to be there. You're not going to be there forever. Everything we do here should be done with the focus on one day being in heaven, not so much being here. Hebrews 11:8 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in a tent. And so did Isaac and Jacob to whom God gave the same promise. Abraham did this because he was confidently looking forward to a city with an eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. So even though he was present, he had those blessings there. He wasn't looking forward to that. He was looking forward to heaven. Verse 16 in chapter 11 says, But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. This is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a heavenly city for them. Now Hebrews 11 was talking about the, the, the saints, the ones that were blessed and did great things, and also talks about the folks that suffered and, and were tortured and didn't get any of those things. And this verse basically says they were looking for a better place, looking for heaven. Second Peter 3.11 says, since everything around us is gonna melt away, what holy godly lives you should be living. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along. Now, I don't think that means we help God out in the death process. We want it to come. We know it's coming. We anticipate it. We're not fearful of it. It goes on and says, The day that God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth that he has promised, a world where everything is right with God. 
Can you, I can't even comprehend a world where everything is perfect and right with God. I mean, we have, we have our ideas of what we as a country were like and used to be like. We want to go back to that. And even in the past, it was better, but it was never perfect. A place where everything is, is idyllic and perfect. Our anticipation of heaven and the excitement should make us want to live godly lives now for that anticipation. Now, I don't think anybody here wants to be there today, but we have to understand that we're all going to be at that point at some, at some point in our life. I found these statistics online. These are about five years old, but it says this. 100 people die. This is all over the world. 100 people die, 180 people die every minute, which means about 11,000 people die every hour and 250,000 people die every day. I didn't realize how staggering those numbers were. How often do we go about our daily lives and not think once about heaven? My wife and I were going through the planning stages of our ultimate demise. And I have, I have all the paperwork and stuff. And, and we were talking the other night. She says, what song do you want at your funeral? And I said, I I said, what's your favorite hymn? I said, I don't have a favorite hymn. I know three hymns and, you know, you know I don't listen to them. I, huh? I know. I, I, said, I said, okay, well, how about this? We'll do Breakfast by Newsboys. If you know the song, it's about, I, I eat a lot of cereal. I like cereal. And it, it talks about that in the song. So, and she says, no, we're not playing that song. So I gave her a couple of different songs. And, we were, we were, and I was cracking up because the songs I picked they were secular songs, but they were songs that would provoke emotion. And she said, I can't play those because your daughters will be a weeping mess. And I said, well, that's, you got to play it then. <laughs> and, I, and I read, or I, I had a news flash come across my phone that two people were killed in a car crash this week. How many people die in a car crash? Unexpectedly. We went to uh, visit Amanda yesterday for Doug's birthday. And we're traveling back in the turnpike and there's construction and it's, it's at night and thinking, what happens if someone crosses the lane? You know, are we ready? We always have to think about what's coming. Even though we think it may be years away, you never know. We have to live our lives planning for eternity. A Pew Research poll said that 72% of Americans believe in heaven and 58% believe in hell. Now this one caught me. Religious people had a better showing. 82% believe in heaven. 82%. Why isn't that 100%? Non-religious people, basically, these are atheists, agnostics that don't go to church, yet 37% of them believe in heaven. Even people who don't believe in God believe that there's a heaven. A belief in heaven doesn't mean we are headed there. I read this at my wife's aunt's funeral because I always try to get the gospel in at a funeral. People are ready. You know, they need to hear it. And, you know, everyone thinks everyone's going to heaven. Matthew 7, 21. I don't have the scripture, Brad. Sorry, I just put it in this morning. Not all people who are religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I've, I've never done a funeral where someone has told me that that person is going to be in hell. No matter how wicked or whatever, they, they all think everyone's going to wind up in heaven. But the Bible says differently. And the reason we want to focus our attention on heaven right now is we need to keep our priorities right. When Christians don't have their mind on heaven, I read this, this is a quote from Wearsby, we tend to become indulgent, self-centered, and weak. Where's the strongest church? I'd venture to say China. Where the persecution is the hardest, the church is the strongest. Where everything's handed to you and everything's great and you don't have to trust God for anything, Christians become self-indulgent and weak. Oh, God's not coming back for, not in my lifetime anyways. And I'm, I'm only 40, I got another 40, 50 years. We all think that's coming. And we become not anticipating that moment and we become, think about this for your children. If you constantly give them everything they ask for all the time, does that make them a better person? Or does that make them want more? How many have had Christmas, you know, when kids open up the gifts and they open them up and they, they, as soon as they open them up, they throw them to the side. Where's the next gift? And they open it up. Where's the next one? If all we get are God's blessings here and we don't focus on what's coming, we're going to be the same way. Where's God's next blessing? What's God going to do for me now? I'm not looking for heaven. I'm looking to be blessed here. Colossians 3.2 says, Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not only think about things down here on earth. Paul seemed to be talking to the Colossians about that very thing. It appeared the Colossians had their mind focused only on the things that we have here. Now, it doesn't say we don't focus on them. It says don't only focus on them. If all we're focused on is things we have here and not what is prepared for us, we think that's all there is to it. Now, right now, we, as you know, we live in the house right next door. It's a parsonage. The church owns the house. It's not the home we're going to live in forever. It's the home we're going to live in for right now. And while we're there, we maintain it. We keep it up. We paint it. We do all the stuff that makes it nice. But one day, we're not going to be there. One day, we're going to be in a different house. The Lord provides. The Lord tarries. We look forward to that day, whenever that's our house. But even at that point, it's not our permanent place. We want to anticipate what's coming. Because we want to be looking forward to our place in heaven. John 14, 2, you hear this a lot at, at funerals. There are many rooms in my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Anyone ever had their house built? Rather than moving into an existing house, you had a house built for you. you know? Was that a fun process? No. But it was fun when you moved in, right? Yeah. And you got to see the progress, and you couldn't move in until it was totally finished. But when you moved in, it was awesome. God's building our houses, our rooms right now, and they're not done yet. One day they're going to be done. Are we excited for that? I bet you couldn't wait to move in, right? Get out of the place you were in, man. Just move into that house. That's how we should be with heaven. 
man, I, I like where I'm at now, but I just can't wait. Can't wait to see what's coming. How many of you watch those renovation shows? They come into this destroyed house and they gut it and they just build it up beautiful. And the people who walk in to the same house that they left, they're, they're amazed and shocked at how nice it is. That's how I think we should anticipate what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait to walk in and see my room. That's a small example of what we should be waiting for. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He or God has planted eternity in the human heart. We should anticipate that. We should want that. God put that in our heart. And I think that's why even agnostics and atheists believe in heaven. Because the Bible says God's put eternity in our hearts. You ever meet a person who believes that nothing happens after death? They're, sometimes they're in despair. I read a quote by Hawkins, Stephen Hawkins, that says that, you know, God, heaven's a fantasy, God's a myth, all that kind of stuff. You can imagine the sad kind of life that, that is, that there's no hope. I mean, if you know Stephen Hawkins, he was in a chair, he had, I forget, cerebral palsy or whatever, he had a physical ailment that he had that kept him in a wheelchair his whole life. And he was a brilliant guy. But if that's all you have to look forward to, and then when I die, the best I had was in a wheelchair all my life. Or the best I had was whatever it is we have now. The best we're going to have is coming. Now, the Bible tells us there are three distinct heavens. The first one is the first heaven. This is the clouds and the sky and the oxygen that we see, that we breathe. Isaiah 55.10 says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. If you know science at all, or at least I know a little bit, this is the only known planet that has that type of life-sustaining atmosphere. None of the other planets, at least the nine in our system, have any kind of atmosphere. There's no oxygen, nothing to keep life alive. We're the only one that does that. The atmosphere, our atmosphere, screens out harmful sun rays. God designed this planet specifically for life. The first heaven that we have is the clouds in the picture. That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the universe in which we live. Genesis 1.14. And God said, let light, bright lights appear in the sky to separate the day from night. They will be signs to mark off the seasons, the days, and the years. Let their light shine down upon the earth, and so it was. For God made two great lights, the sun and the moon, to shine down upon the earth. The greater one, the sun, presides during the day. The lesser one, the moon, presides through the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the heavens to light the earth. Psalm 19.1, the heavens tell the glory of God. The skies display his marvelous craftsmanship. Matthew 24, 29, immediately after these horrible days end, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. So the second heaven is the universe that we see, the Star Trek, Star Wars universe that we can see or explore or whatever. That's the second heaven. And finally, we get to the third heaven. The Bible calls it the third heaven in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether my body was there or just my spirit, I don't know. Only God knows. 
But I do know that I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be told. That's the heaven that we're looking forward to. That's the heaven that's out there that we don't see, but we know it's a physical place. Solomon says this in 1 Kings 8, But will God really live on the earth while even the highest heavens cannot contain you? Moses said this in Deuteronomy 10:14, The highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Psalm 11:4. But the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules everything. The highest heaven, the third heaven, is, is the heaven that is beyond our visibility. We can't see it. That's where God lives, and that is where we as believers are going to live at some point as well. Now, we also know that heaven is a literal and figured in a physical place. It's not just a state of mind. It's not a feeling of euphoria. And we're going to find out later in the series that it's not, you're not a puff of air that's walking around. You have a physical body. We're not disembodied spirits or ghosts or angels. How many know there's no such thing as ghosts, right? No such thing as ghosts. The enemy can manifest and do things like that, but there's no such thing as ghosts. Heaven is a definite location. The Bible refers to heaven in definite terms. It is a country, 11 verse, Hebrews eleven sixteen. Instead, they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. A country indicates a very large area, very large area, and, and it also says it's a city. Revelation 21, 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. When you think of city, you think of buildings, roads, skyscrapers, activities now where exactly is heaven no one has a GPS coordinate for heaven and you no one's ever seen it in a telescope but when we think of heaven where do we say it is it's up right we think it's up mark 641 Jesus took the loaves and two fish looked up toward heaven John 17 1 when Jesus had finished saying all these things he looked up to heaven and said Luke 24, 51, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Acts 1, 9, it's not long after he said this that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching and he disappeared into a cloud. Psalm 14, 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men. So it's up. That's, that's nice. But up for us is different than up for the other side of the world, Right? If we're going up, China would be going up that way. So we don't, I mean, it says up, but do we know where up? Well, the Bible does get a little bit more specific. When, when in Isaiah 14, when God kicked Satan out of heaven, God addressed him. Now, the New American Standard says it this way, and I like this. This is the most accurate translation. It says, Isaiah 14, 13. God talking to the enemy, kicking him out. He says, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. Now north is north for everybody. Regardless of where you are, north is north. If you're in China, north is the same direction. If you're in America, north is the same direction. You have a compass, it's gonna point you in the same direction. 
The New King James says this, I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. So no matter where you are, north is north. So we're going to assume that the heavens are, or heaven is in the northern part of the sky. Northern, at least in association with earth. And that's about as close as we can approximate to where it is. But the point is, heaven isn't a thought. It isn't an idea. It's something that we didn't make up. It is a physical location. It is a, a country, a city. The Bible talks about streets of gold. So there are physical attributes to heaven that, we will ha or that will be there. It's a tangible place. A place with a somewhat verifiable location. And a place where the Bible says what believers will go when this life for us is over. Now, I'm going to close with this verse. And we all probably know this verse and we quote it a lot, especially at funerals. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love us. Now, how many stop at that point? We have no idea what heaven's like. We have no idea what, what God can do. But we forget the next verse. Verse 10 says, But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who wrote this? Holy Spirit inspired men to write it. So God has revealed us as much as He wants us to know about heaven. It's not something that we have to think about or imagine. God has given us definite, specific parameters of what heaven is going to be like. Is it everything? Is it everything about heaven? No, because I don't think we could really comprehend everything about heaven. But there is things in the Bible that God wants us to know about it, so we are excited to eventually get there. And when we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about we mourn as those who have no hope, that's the hope that we have. That we know we're a person who has gone away in Christ, who has died in Christ. We know where they are. And we know the type of place that they're in. We know that it's a place. We know that it's, it's, there's buildings, there's streets. We're going to eat in heaven, right? There's the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there's going to be food. Now I'm thinking, it says marriage supper of the Lamb. It doesn't say marriage supper of the vegan. I'm, ju I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think we're going to be carnivores in heaven. It doesn't say the marriage supper of the vegetarian. When we went out with Amanda yesterday, we went to a restaurant and I got, it was called the carnivore pizza because it had like six or seven different types of meat on it. Heaven's going to be a perfect place and we're going to go into this in the next few weeks about all the things that are there. We can anticipate, we know it's going to happen and it helps us to be encouraged not only for what is going to happen to us but for those who have gone on and we, you know, we talk about this at funerals. There's no more sickness, suffering, pain, or sorrow. We know that. But to really get, kind of get a glimpse of what it's like for the people that are already there. And the Bible talks about they'll have, they'll have memory. They'll remember the good things. They won't remember the bad. I believe the Bible tells us that if you're in heaven, there's no sorrow. That means you don't 
Oh, another thing I think about heaven, and I may get into this later, I don't think people in heaven are able to look down on us. They're not, not watching us, they're not protecting us. And why I think that is because if there's no sorrow in heaven, imagine someone looking down on your life and your life is not going great at this particular moment. Maybe you're suffering right now. Do you think that would produce sorrow in that person? I'm thinking, yeah, it would. If I were in heaven, I saw my kids struggling and suffering and hurting, it would not be a pleasant place for me to be. So when we're there, they do have memory, though. They have the, mem the memory of the good things. I, uh, I'm coming up on my 45th high school reunion. <laughs> Go figure. But how many of you remember your high school days fondly? Now, think about that for a moment. When you were there, was it really as good as you thought it was? Probably not, because you, you kind of forget all the negative things that happened while you were there, and you focus on the good. I have, I belong to this, this group. Our high school has a website, you know, and I'm looking at all these kids that I knew from school, and we had a pretty large class, and I'm looking at them going, that kid was a jerk. <laughs> that kid treated me poorly. He, I, so, you know, high school wasn't as great as I think it was. And I think when you're in heaven, you, you forget. God takes away all the negative things, and all you're focusing on are the things that you remember that are good. You have memory. And when, because, you know, when we get there, they're going to know you, right? They're gonna, you're going to know them. They're going to know you. And so when we anticipate getting there, there are people I can't wait to see when I get there. And not only the, the people in the Bible, but people that I know from my family and, and friends that have gone on just to talk to them, to see them when they're not hurting and not in pain and not in the hospital. That, that's what excites us. So when we say there's no mourning, we don't mourn as those who have no hope, we get excited because we know where they are. They're in where God wanted them to be. We didn't want it that soon, but man, God did. And if you were to ask them, can I, can I go back? Like ghost. No, they're not going to want to go back because the place that they are in is perfect. As we read in the beginning, everything is right with God. Everything is perfect. And that's the place we're looking forward to. And that's the place that God tells us that we need to focus our attention on while we're living here. If we do that, it causes us to not only anticipate that, not fear it, but to live better here. I lied. I'm going to say one more thing. When we talked about, I, I talked about reputation at, at, a, at the funeral and the, what kind of reputation we have when we leave. When, when we are gone, we want our reputation to be good. Now, we're going to heaven and we want people to follow us there, correct? We want our loved ones who know, know us to follow us there. And so when we're gone, what are people going to say about you at your funeral? Your anticipation of heaven and your desire for them to go to heaven should make you want to live a life that people want to emulate so that they know that one day they can be with you. And we want them to see the anticipation of heaven in us and the excitement we have about it. Not that we want to go there today, 
But man, we're excited for whenever that day is, we know how great it's gonna be. Even though it'll be sorrowful for us when we're gone, when I'm gone, man, it's so great, I want you to be with me. That's the, that's the kind of lifestyle we should live. When people see us, they should be excited about the anticipation of heaven, what's coming. You know, we all anticipate different things. We're all excited for different things that are coming. We're excited for the quarantine to be over. We're excited to get back to normal. But man, are we excited for what's going to wait, be waiting for us when we get to heaven? Would you stand as we close this morning? If you bow your heads for a moment, close your eyes. As we heard the statistics, there's many people that die every day. And we don't read the statistics as something that happens to other people. We read them as if they could happen to us. I mentioned that on my high school page, we have a memorial page of all those in my high school class who have died. And there is quite a few of them people who are my age and younger. The point is we never know when that time is going to be. And we need to be prepared for when that time does come. I don't fear death. I don't fear what comes because I know what's waiting for me on the other side. My only concern now is for people who don't know Christ. How can I affect the lives of people now while I'm here so that when I'm gone, at one point they will be with me as well? That is the focus of heaven. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never really given much thought to that. You just thought that, well, I'm a good person. Everyone's going to go to heaven. We read in the Bible, that's not true. The Bible says that the wages that we are all sinners and the wages of our sin is death and what that means is that separation from God. Sins don't keep you out of heaven. Your rejection of Christ is what keeps you out of heaven. The Bible says we're all sinners. One sin keeps you out of God's presence. But the Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you really want to be assured that you're going to be in heaven because the Bible tells us that we can be confident that we're going to make it. The Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. If you're in doubt and you're not sure, that means you probably don't know Christ. Because those who do are confident in the fact that we will one day be in heaven. And if that's you and you want to be confident, you want to be assured that when your time comes, you are with Jesus, it's easy. It's easy. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, do you believe who Jesus says he was? Jesus is God. 
Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. And by believing that fact, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that's what makes us right with God. And if that's you and you want to pray that this morning, I want you to raise your hand. All right, I'm going to assume that we're all committed followers of Christ. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that you've given us a blessed life here. You have blessed us more than we deserve you to be blessed. But more than that, Father, we are thankful that one day when this life is over, we will be with you in heaven. And as we saw, it's a physical place. There are people there. There are things to do. There's activities. There's cities. There's buildings. It's a country. And Father, we, as we continue to study about it, give us more excitement for what is coming. And allow that excitement to spill over into our lives so that our lives are a reflection of our excitement for the things of God. And let our lives be something that is attractive to those who really need Jesus. I pray for divine opportunities, Lord. I pray for divine appointments. Give us the words to say, the courage, the boldness, the love to say the things that we need to say to the people who need it the most because we want everyone to be in heaven. Your word, Father, says you, you want no one to perish, but you want everyone to come to eternal life. Help us to do our part, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Encourage and strengthen us and send us out to do your work. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday, and then Sunday, and then Wednesday, and then Sunday. Forever until Jesus comes back. <laughs>